Yes, hello folks, welcome to another episode of TWI Boxing Show. I'm your host, Phil Brown, of course, joined with my regular co-host here, the fantastic Wayne McCulloch, and joined with uh, a fantastic guy, fantastic fighter, and a brilliant analyst, of course, that we get here in the States on the zone, the brilliant Sergio Mora. Let me welcome Sergio to the show. Sergio, how are you doing, pal? I'm doing wonderful. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Uh, McCulloch, how are you doing, mate? I'm doing great. You forgot to say the Latin snake. You have to say that. The Latin snake. You need no introduction. <laughs> hey, thanks, champ. Everybody leave knows the Latin snake. Bo- leave it to the boxer. Leave it to the boxer to bring up the nickname. Appreciate that, champ. You're looking out. You have to get through that. I'm the uh, pocket rocket, so. <laughs> listen, I'm joined with two boxing royalties here, so it's always an education for me. Sergio, you work for The Zone. The Zone has done a fantastic job, of course, bringing boxing back to a mainstream audience. Very, very affordable app. Great to see that, that for to get access to all these amazing fights. You've sent some fantastic fighters. Before we get into the zone, let me ask you about you and your life. Why did you become a boxer? Of course, you were raised in East LA, a boxing hotspot, of course, who else La Jolla territory. Uh, tell me about your early life and why you get into boxing. Most kids in East LA around that area, they, they join boxing as an outlet. You know, if, if, if you're not into basketball or baseball or football, and a reason we don't get into those sports is because they're, they're a little pricey, you know, especially nowadays. You know, try to get a kid into soccer, forget about it. You can't afford it. Yeah. Boxing's inexpensive, and there's there's a lot of boxing gyms in East L.A., you know, in those in those areas where there's a lot of poverty, a lot of, a lot of uh, you know, single parents. That's a good outlet for a lot of, you know, kids that are at risk, and I was one of those. You know, so I, uh, I joined, I joined uh, two boxing gyms in East L.A., and one of them actually took me under their wing, and here I am. We go ahead, Matt. I was say, what, what was it like for you as a fighter growing up in East LA? I know it's a bad neighborhood, and me and Phil come from a bad neighborhood in Belfast, Northern <laughs> Ireland, so I know what that's like. But what was it like for you? You know, for for me, it was uh, not as bad as my friends or my cousins. I had a I had a good solid. My mother, you know, she ran the household great, and I I grew up with three brothers. You know, no a single parent with three brothers. So my brothers were kind of like my father figure, and they kept me in check. And my mom, God bless her, you know, she she worked both roles. You know, I, I grew up with a lot of a lot of friends around that area. I had about sixteen friends. All of us had our own little crew, and uh, we would box in the backyards and stuff like that. And and it was it was tough. You know, we, we would get jacked a lot, robbed for our robbed, jacked, beat up, and you know, some of my friends got shot, killed, mm-hmm. stabbed. But those are, those are the guys that straight away into the gangs and, and the, the drugs when we were youngsters, 13, 14, 15. They strayed that way, and, you know, I, I needed an outlet, and that's the reason that I started boxing. And I can tell you, Wayne, I'm sure it's like that for you in Belfast and everyone else that grows up in, in bad neighborhoods. I'm sure we all know, you know, a handful of kids that never made it out of the yep. neighborhood. Either drugs got exactly. them, either drugs got them incar- incarceration or prison got them, or death you know and, and it's like that everywhere yeah. yeah you're absolutely right Sergio. we all know people like that growing up in rough areas but what's almost consistent with rough areas is like a diamond pressure creates a diamond these neighborhoods almost create fighters because of the conditions you grew up in do you think growing up in east la was fundamental to you becoming a fighter oh i say that all the time uh, it's a poor man's sport, and I don't think uh, uh, I don't. This is the reason you won't see you know successful, wealthy, or even middle class kids succeed in boxing because right. they don't know the struggle. And that's not a knock to to them. They're they're, they're born in a in a more privileged lifestyle, and God bless them, you know. Mm-hmm. But for yeah. you know, boxing is a poor man's sport, and I don't think we'll ever see a middle class successful boxer because they won't have they won't have the hunger it takes 
to, to be a fighter. They'll have the intelligence. They'll have they'll have the the willpower. They'll have the attitude. But it takes it takes a certain a certain a certain kind of getting your ass kicked daily yeah. by life and by punches to get up and want to do it again. Uh, so yeah, I just I just think you know it, it's always gonna it's always gonna be you know groomed in in, in poverty. You know, good fighters. We Sergio, did you love boxing as a young kid? And if you did, um, what was the hardest thing about being a fighter, and what was the thing you disliked the most? You know, initially I didn't. I didn't fall in love with boxing. I, I I was naturally good at it. You know, I beat up all my friends in backyards, and then even when I started boxing in a gym, I would I would beat up the guys that were boxing there for you know six months to a year, which isn't the case normally. So I was naturally good at it. Um, so that's you know when you're naturally good at something, you take advantage of it, and 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 you know you can you can do it well. So it wasn't a, an initial first love for me. But what kept me in boxing? This is a straight you know honest truth. It was the traveling, the traveling kept me in boxing, or else I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have continued boxing. The fact that all I needed to do was win a couple of tournaments as a, as an amateur, as a 14, 15, 16 year old kid, uh, and then they would travel me to another state or another country. I mean, that was just mind blowing to me. They yeah. paid for all my expenses. Yeah. I would hang out with other boxers. I loved the traveling, and that's what kept me in boxing. So, do you, boxing is a very cruel sport. You lose a fight. I was talking to a fighter earlier who lost a fight, and one of the things he was telling me is the phone goes quiet. You find out who your friends are. That with the WhatsApp messages stop, the text messages stop, and it just is a small circle of people. It also has a very bad habit of casting fighters aside who lose a fight, and I, I feel I, I feel tremendously sorry for fighters that this happens to. When you're a fighter, you lose a fight. And you get you get disrespect from the fans. What's the one thing you want them to know about that they don't give enough respect to fighters for? Because we see the fight, but there's so much that goes on in the lead up to a fight about your life every day. Is it the sacrifices to make weight? Is it the sacrifices to stay disciplined? Something fans don't know about a fighter that you wish they give more respect for. You know, uh, we could touch on all the things you just mentioned: the discipline, the hard work, and 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 everything else. But that that could that could translate to any job. So it, I think the only the only way it can resonate to people that don't know the struggle of a boxer that one loss how it sets us back so much is the fact that you know one loss as a fighter and you're gonna go back and, and pay you're taking a pay cut yeah. who would want to take a pay cut in their job you know what I'm saying right. so we take a big pay cut with one loss that's one thing two if we get knocked out in that one loss. You know the 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 whole the whole momentum you had creating since you're a teenager because most of us start when we're teenagers. So you've been doing it 10, 15, 20 years. One bad night, say it's a bad night where you get seriously, you know, outclassed and knocked out and beat up. You might not come back from that, and you don't have any other experience to rely on, no other education, no other anything else you can do. But you need to just continue fighting. But now you're not making the same kind of money. So. You really got to take calculated risks and try to try to try to try to stay in the game as long as possible, make the most amount of money as possible, and that's what I think fans don't understand. The fact that you know fighters, fans say no. Well, you know fighters fight. No, fighters work for a living, and our right. work is to you know to, to create a long window of longevity to to keep feeding and eating because it's the only thing we know how to do. Exactly right, one hundred percent. When when you stepped in the ring, Sergio. You know, I know we all have as fighters we have things through our head. What was going through your head even when you get when you're winning the fight and when you get hurt in the fight, what was going what was going through your head? You know, when you know, uh, I think any any boxer that's been in the ring could tell you that when you're in shape, 
when you're in shape and ready for a fight, you can't wait for that belt to ring because you're so ready. You know, I yeah. think the only the only the only time you do get butterflies is when you know something happened in camp, when you have a slight injury, when you took a fight in short notice, when you struggled making weight. That's when you start getting nervous. But whenever a fighter is in shape, he put in the work in the gym, and he's ready to go. He can't wait to go, man. That's his job. Ring the bell. Let's go. You know, so I'm excited about it. Now, when you get hurt and reality checks, he's like, boom, okay, you're you're rocked. Well, that's where experience kicks in. That's when, you know, all the times you got hurt in the gym, you know, that that's when the poker face comes in. That's when you realize, okay, this is a feeling that's going to pass, the butterflies that I'm feeling, the little ants crawling up my back and my neck, the buzzing sound, the, you know, whatever, whatever feeling you feel when you're hurt, that's going to fade away. Now, it's going to fade away faster if my opponent doesn't know that I'm hurt. So let me just hide this real quick. And you try not to make any sudden moves because then your, your legs are going to buckle. So you try to stay as still as possible, as quiet as possible, and try not to throw too many punches when you're hurt because that's when you're going to be vulnerable. I want to ask you um, something I heard Mike Tyson talk about before. Everyone remembers what it was like when you were in school and you had a fight and someone was, you were going to fight after school and you had that nervous energy up until that fight happened and you were you know, always thinking what 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 if what if i get hurt what if i lose what if you know always wondering what if and we've seen unfortunately so many fighters come out of a ring put your colon just a mention one so many of them that come out less of man and what they come in um w- do you have nerves before a fight of fear of the what if the, the the doubt does that is that ever a part of your psychology before you go into a fight yeah no absolutely i mean that that's where your faith comes in and you just kind of you understand that it's a dangerous sport and, and one bad punch can hit, you know, badly for you. But it, it's something that you, you you know when you get into the sport because everyone's mother doesn't want their son to box. Sure. But then when they realize this is, this is something they want and it's a passion and they work hard at it and they're getting, you know, they're getting a, 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 a well-received, then it's worth the risk because, you know, anything in life carries risk. But no, a fighter has it in the back of his mind. But never when we go into the ring, I would say the majority of fighters don't think of of negative things when they walk in that ring. It's all positive. It's all, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to perform. I'm going to win. I'm going to knock this guy out. I'm going to, you know, it's all good, 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 good until it's not. You know, so we really don't focus too much on the negative until it happens. And then that's when you got to uh, fight that. But no, I, I don't I don't dwell on, on negativity ever. That's amazing. Oh, so let's go back 16 years to the contender. So it seems a long time ago. And when you won it, what was it like? The experience alone and then the popularity you got from being on NBC was unbelievable. It was like winning the World Championship for you. It put you in the spotlight and shot you right up the, say, the rankings right away almost. What was, it, what was that like to you? Yeah, you know, uh, it, it was 15 years actually uh, uh, yesterday that I won the contender. Um, oh. And it was... 15 year slide, man. It just, it, it, it really is amazing. But, you know, any, anyone that could, that could stretch their 15 minutes of, of fame to 15 years, you've done something right. So I, I thank God for that. But it was overnight success, you know, being, being on, uh, on television screens around the world because this is a show that got, you know, a scene by people all over the world, you know, from, from, from Thailand to Australia to the UK to India. You know, uh, Canada. You know, Brazil. You know, it was seen all over the world, and it, it and it was uh, it was syndicated and appreciated by all people. You know, and especially with my story, people that never followed boxing cared about 
my story and you know mother especially because of my story and my mother and I and it was overnight it was literally overnight I won the contender and the next night the next day the next night wasn't the same for me everyone recognized me everyone wanted the pictures uh, I had money in the bank I was able to buy whatever I wanted and people were calling me nonstop and everyone wanted me to be at their parties and you know everyone wanted to be on their shows and it was overnight overnight success and it was it was um it was a lot to handle at the time. So I'm fortunate enough that I work in other sports, and one of the things that is consistent in other sports is there's overarching governing bodies where, let's say someone does something in, in discipline or whatever, they're suspended from that governing body, can't compete anywhere within the sport. I see no overarching governing body with boxing where if someone tests positive, they um, they can go and get a, a license somewhere else and still fight, and promoters will still promote them. What do you think is the one thing that needs to change in boxing? Is it a governing body? Is it more check weigh-ins? What do you think is the one thing that must change in boxing? Um, I think, yeah, the, the, uh, the you know performance-enhancing drugs is obviously the most dangerous and, and the most controversial because no one's going to admit to taking PEDs. You know, yeah. when they get popped, when they get caught, they're not going to admit, yes, you know what, I did it, I did it, and I've been doing it for so long. No, they're going to say, it wasn't me, it was an accident, somehow, mm-hmm. some way. So, okay, we got to give them the benefit of the doubt. Right? we got to give them the benefit of the doubt. We can't just, you know, one strike, you're out. Okay. But there should be a hefty fine to it. There should be a, a year suspension to it. It can't just be a slap in the hand. It can't just be, you know, six months. A lot of us are off for six months anyway. There should be a, yeah. a, at least a year, maybe even two-year suspension. That will teach a big lesson aside from from the fine. It's it, it keeping a fighter from fighting that would be more than the fine. So I think that's that's one of the big, you know, that's the most dangerous risk. But I, I think also a, a big setback for boxing is is uh, the judging. You know, I think judging yeah. is yeah. is, yeah. is uh, suffering a lot. You know. Uh, a lot of a lot of the judges are are in their position. A lot of them are old. First of all, how come there's not a lot of younger younger it's judges? Corruption. I, I, <laughs> I, I never understood that. How come there's no like twenty five, thirty year olds that are with twenty twenty vision? You know, uh, judging. Most of them are into the fifties and sixties. But uh, yeah, so judging. I I think with when one judge has a bad night. It shouldn't be excused as a bad night because that one bad night can ruin a, a, a fighter's yep. life, a fighter's career, something that he's worked for his entire life. And I've been there. I was a part of that. You know, so one one bad night for a judge, you can't just sweep it under the table. They should get fined. They should get suspended. If it's a blatant, if it's blatant, it's if it's a blatant call where it's like, wait a minute, there's no way you could have, yep. you know. Uh, Gave nine rounds out of twelve to this one. No, you got to get fined. Hit them in the hit them in their pocket. Hit them in their purse, and a suspension. We shouldn't just sweep it under the rug. So that's something that's a, a progressing problem. That's you know never going to change unless we hit them where it hurts, not the pocket or the purse. Exactly right, too, Joe. With you, that's another that's another podcast completely about about the drugs in the sport and the, the bands and the fines stuff like that. But say you're with the zone now. Do you think the zone? Is going to change the boxing landscape, which I think they have because they're putting more fights on. But do you think going forward it will help younger fighters coming through to get the attention around the world? 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I just think every 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 new business, every new entity, you know, they have their 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 struggles and they have the, their competition. You know, no one wants a new guy in the block. And I've already been this is my third time going through this. You know, I'm glad you asked me this. First time I went through this was with the contender. When when I won the contender, the TV show branched off to a promotional company. So they started competing against Top Rank, Golden mm-hmm. Boy, Lou DiBella, Gary Shaw. They started. They started not only um, not wanting to work with them, one, but saying they were going to take over boxing. They were going to clean up the sports. They were going to change the, the face of it. Bullshit. They're not going to do that, but they <laughs> pissed a lot of people off mm-hmm. by the contenders saying they're going to do that. So all of a sudden, what happened? Everyone turned their back against us. Everyone saying we were fake fighters. No one wanted to give us a chance, and, and they, they, they pushed us aside. And then we had to fight our way into it. But the contender promotion never took off like it wanted yeah. to. It wanted to. So that's one. Two, with PBC, Premier Boxing Champions. When I signed with them and Al Heyman, when they came out, they came out doing the same thing that Zone did. You know, they, they, were, they were spending a lot of money. They're doing the big theatrics. They wanted the biggest fights. They wanted the biggest shows. Good for them. That's what, that's what companies need to do to get up off the ground. And what happens a year, two years into it, they got to start cutting back because they realize okay, we're hemorrhaging a lot of money, we're hemorrhaging a lot of this, but that's when the business minds come in. I'm not a Harvard mind, man. Al Heyman is. Luka Bella is. But let them, let, them, let them deal with that. They're the businessmen. We're the fighters. But I can tell you that fighters love getting over, a lot of money and overpaid. And now comes the zone. Now comes the zone. You know? So the zone did the exact same thing. They came in. They spent a lot of money. They, spent, they gave Canelo $364 million dollars. For 11 fights, they gave $100 million to Golovkin. That you know, fighters like Demetrius Andre, Jesse Vargas are making the biggest persons of their career. Good for them. I'm happy for fighters, all fighters that fight for the zone. I love it because they're getting what they finally deserve. They're getting two, three, yeah. four times more than any promoter has ever done. It okay. Now it's time to restrict that. That we came out blasting. Now it's time to, you know, you know, tighten up the belt. And if you want that kind of money, you're gonna have to take a bigger fight. You know, no, no more, no more tune-ups, kind of. You know, so right. that's what we've been discussing. But it, it just, it just being a new company and being new to the game. You want to, you got to come out blasting, uh, and our bullets are, are, are dollars. You know, you got to come out blasting financially to get respect. Well, first of all, it's yeah. great to hear that the zone are putting pressure on fighters to take meaningful fights, fights that um, we're actually intrigued by. Um, the zone put on some brilliant fights, the Danny Jacobs, Canelo fight, brilliant fights. So many of them have been loved. I've enjoyed watching them. I've enjoyed seeing a lot of Irish fighters on there too. Um, what's your life like as a broadcaster? Because uh, obviously it's very different to fighting in the ring. Um, and it's a whole different skill, calling a fight, being uh, communicating to an audience and recognizing not everyone is an expert in boxing. How difficult has it been making the transition from a fighter to a broadcaster? Um, you know, it, it, the transition for me has been, you know, it's been rocky, just like everything else, uh, everything else I've been doing. And it's not because I feel that I'm not progressing or doing uh, better because you're never going to satisfy everybody. It's it's a live wire act. It's like you're walking in a wire and one misstep and you could you know, yeah. one bad one word can, can yep. change everything that you're trying to ex- explain and and it's a lot of pressure. Yep. It's a lot of pressure, you know, and it, it's kind of more it's kind of more pressure than a fight because in a fight I know that 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 I can come back and fight harder if I if I did it one night bad misstep, but in commentating it's just different. So it, it's 
it's challenging. You have to prepare just just like a fighter. You have to prepare and study. Yes. And try to be as um, as uh, clean and, and unbiased as possible. And you want to call it like you see it, but you're never going to see it like other people see it. Because, right. you know, it, it's, such, it's such a subjective sport. You know, I'm telling you from my eyes, from my lens, from my perspective, and, and it's not going to be like that for everybody watching. And that's what... That's what uh, you know. I learned, and I just I'm getting better at it, and and I love doing it. I enjoy doing it. it it's it's kind of like the same adrenaline rush as boxing because mm-hmm. you're you know you're challenging yourself and you're being competitive, and there's people nipping at your heels. They want your job. They want your spot. They want they want to tear you down, and you just want to keep shutting people up. You're like, nah, man. I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep on chugging. I'm gonna keep on fighting. I'm gonna keep getting better. You know. I'm here to stay. So it's a challenge. It's, it's, it's great. I love it. I think it's great. That's awesome. That's awesome. And, and Serge, you've had, you know, you had about 40 amateur fights, you know, missed out the Olympics. But you get that, you get, in the pro ranks, you get that WBC World Championship. A lot of fighters don't get a, a World Championship. You got that. Your last fight was against Angula, world, former world champion. Does this mean you're, you're never going to fight again or would you fight again in the future? No, I think this... Uh, you know, I, I follow God's footsteps, God's plan. You know, I'm not I'm not overly religious, but I do believe in destiny. You know, I, I, yeah. you guys watch me on a contender. I mentioned I mentioned destiny a lot, mm-hmm. and I just think uh, life intervened, man. You know, I got kids now. You know, I got two little kids now, and and um, you know, after that fight with with Angulo, uh, I wanted a fight again. That I knew that was going to be a step up to a bigger fight. And now Heyman's like, okay, let's you know take whoever wins this fight is going to get get an opportunity for another big fight. Maybe even get back to a, a a title shot or something like that. But that's when the zone came in. They offered me a great job and they're keeping me real busy and traveling all over the place twice a month. There's no way I can keep a boxing schedule and 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 do the the zone job. And right now, I got to just be an adult about this and say. You know, I can't cheat the game of boxing. You know, I have yeah. more of a longevity and a career in commentating than I do, you know, boxing. So I chose, I chose commentating. Last couple of questions, Serge. You've been so generous with your time. I want to ask you about that WBC middleweight championship because in the lead up to that fight, something that is a bit, uh, a bit distasteful that I don't like from fighters sometimes is when they go over the top with the trash talk. And Vernon Forrest was quite disrespectful. He said he was going to send you out on a stretcher. Um, you know, we've heard this from other fighters before. How pleasing was it for you to win that fight? Um, it was a dream come true. It was <laughs> a dream come true. And, you know, leading up to that fight, you know, God rest Vernon's for his soul. But he was, he was bad-mouthing me all the way to the press conference saying a lot of bad things about me. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not the type of fighter that retaliates verbally, verbally. So, you know, I just kept my mouth shut, my head down, and I, I won that fight. And then rematch, he came back and did, took the title back. And um, we, were never, we were never able to have a third fight because he passed away. But mm-hmm. I was never a big fan of, of uh, talking trash. And I remember Vernon Fuller told me something about, you know, before he passed, after the rematch, you know, he told me uh, it was all business. It was all promoting, man. Uh, and, yeah, and yeah. I didn't really know him. I didn't really know him that well. But everyone that did know him said he was an amazing, great guy. Mm. And I always yeah. go off of what people in the business know because to me, he just came across as as as, a, as an asshole, yeah. you know, promoting the fight. But but after the rematch, when when he came up to me and told me that, I, I saw him at a different light. And then. Afterwards, when they passed, all the people that I respect in boxing 
and just praise the things that he did and, and as a human being and and yeah man it's it's, it's, it's tragic it's it's, it's uh but I, I i've never been a fan of trash talking and neither has Vernon for it but to take that back yeah he wasn't a trash talk either you know he did his he did his thing in the ring it was just that one fight but i'm not a fan of, of, of fighters you know talking trash if they can't back it up and they're just gonna bark i mean what yeah. does it do right yeah <laughs> when have you got one more before we go just um sergio is um the best young prospects in the sport right now? Virgil Ortiz. I got to say Virgil Ortiz. Mm-hmm. Man. I, I've already uh, called, I've called, what, two, three of his fights. And wow, I'm just, I'm just really, you know, for, for the for the amount of fights that he has and how young he is, how, you know, talented he is, you know, he's ahead of the game. He's like a Fernando Vargas only mentally he's in a better place than Fernando Vargas was when he was his age because I knew Fernando when he was his age and he was a hot head this guy's smart he's articulate he's a killer in the ring but he works hard and and he's humble and he has a good backing his father's in his corner he has Robert Garcia he has everything going to be a next star and he's not arrogant about it so I think Virgil Ortiz is the future and I, I really think it's guys the limit for him. Looking forward to seeing him. If, let me say, finish up by saying it's brilliant to see you guys doing such good work. The Mexican fan base has basically kept boxing alive, the UK, Irish fan base, and now we're starting to see the zone bring that back to a mainstream audience again to get this country falling in love with boxing again. When it was back, probably the premier sport in the country when being the heavyweight champion in the world was probably the most prestigious thing you could do in sports. It's great to see that return. You've played a big part in that, Sergio. You've been exceptional for me personally. Uh, I'm not a forensic on the sport like my colleague is here, so I've learned a lot from listening to your commentary. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this, and I wish you nothing but the very best. Phil, Wayne, it was a it was a pleasure when you reached out and you said, uh, you know, uh, Carl and uh, Carl Frampton and uh, yeah. uh, someone else, uh, Michael Conlon. Who, who was the other one? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, there you go, Conlon. I think very highly of them as Thank not you. only uh, fighters but as men. So when when you mentioned them, I'm like, I'm in. Uh. Yeah, they're very close <laughs> friends of mine. I'm awesome. I'm Wayne, so I talk to Carl almost every day. So I'll put, I'll pass that on to him. Thank you so much. I appreciate that, Sergio. Thanks, thanks, Sergio. Thank you, Phil and Wayne. Thank you, champ. Appreciate it. Thank you, thank you, champ as well, guys. Thanks. Cheers, boys. You got it. Bye-bye. Cheers, Sergio.